Paul's letter to the Romans reminds us that we are in fight. But our methodology does not mean that we are to approach it as a losing before we get to today's message in our series, just a little recap from last week. So many think that this current period of secularism is a death blow for the church. I hold that it is not. But it also means that we need to learn to do things a little bit differently. Instead of seeing the common culture as an enemy, we must conquer a rather futile task. I suggest that we see it as a way to serve. We can get on top of it and ride it so that the mission of the church is conveyed to the next generation in a spirit of grace and cooperation instead of coming against everything that has changed. Well, today we take our cue from the last line of our epistle lesson. Overcome evil with good. More correctly, we move from the idea that the current culture is out to get the church, and we move to a subversive approach. We illumine all that is good and gracious to the point where we see the one who is responsible for all that goodness and graciousness. There are some very good things going on. We get lost in our evening news where we don't see. I think often we fail to remember that the idea of the gospel is more than four biographical accounts that we read from. It is more than just simply the words of Jesus. In fact, it is everything that is good in the lives of women and men, even today. So it is good news. The good news is that very thing that we are to be heralds of, we simply must change the narrative from we are slowly being defeated to God is changing the way we proclaim the good news. We are still calling people from darkness into light, from that which is fallen into that which is holy. We are finding new ways to Rescue our friends and families and even our neighbors and give them new life by helping them see what is already good in their life and having its source in Jesus. So for these last 40 years or so, we might believe a false narrative. If we hear that the church is failing, perhaps we need to examine that if we have heard that the church is losing ground, we need to look again at what we are hearing. If we proclaim the message of a church that is in the spirit of panic, or anger, or futility, then we drift from our own gospel. We cannot be heralds of good news when the impetus for spreading that message is one of fear. What did Jesus promise us? Well, in last week's gospel lesson, Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Jesus is not giving us an image of a church in a fearful or defensive position. Hell cannot withstand heaven. 
it is the other way around. Or Paul puts it this way, Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will shortly crush Satan under your feet. So through the church, God is going to accomplish his good news. We need not power in the boat for fear, but rather recognize that he is faithful, called us forward. And instead of fear, we are to approach the good news of the coming kingdom with feverish optimism. Satan, after all, is fully defeated at the cross. Sure, he still has some power, but his crushing will happen under the feet of the church. Remember the great liberty? And finally, deep down, Satan, under our feet, we pray for Sunday and Monday. I think our consumption of the spin of the evening news has much to do with why we see the church's place in the negative light today. But negativity is not part of our narrative. That is part of the secular narrative to which we are to be subversive. Calling the good out of the fallen culture will be our strategy. To give you some illustration, let's look at a little bit of some historical examples of some subversive gospel proclaiming. William Wilberforce and John Newton attacked the practice of slavery so that it's outlawed in Britain, and points out that it is so Christian to own anyone, even though the culture said otherwise. In America, the plight of the urban poor in Boston was addressed by a leader of a new monastic group, and this James Huntington works to alleviate the problems of poverty while showing these dock workers the good news of Jesus, both by working alongside them and also showing them splendid literature. For Hiram Missouri a Japanese-American, a Nebraska priest who was taken from the steps of his parish during the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and was in turn, but instead, instead chose to use that opportunity to teach farming techniques to a whole new parish of Indonesians. Or consider the scores of seminary students who left 1960s Alabama, 1960s Alabama to assist with voting drives or integration sit-ins, even resulting in the martyrdom of Jonathan Myers. In every one of those settings, the church did not slip into negativity. Instead, it chose not simply to decry the narrative, but to subvert it. To surf on the waters, to bloom where they were planted with the promise that Jesus would be with us even to the ends of the earth. Perhaps it is simpler to look at the challenge and not claim the joy of subverting the fallen system. Is that not exactly what the very human Peter did in today's gospel lesson? He set his eyes on human things, and we all have human perspectives to overcome. Jesus instructs the disciples, saying, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and follow me. A perfect instruction for us to change from reaction subversion. So how do we change the narrative? We, 
people of St. Paul's, from one that bemoans the changes of the worlds around us and chooses to keep our eyes fixed on the Master and denying ourselves in following him. First, the way in which Jesus is building his kingdom is nonsensical to human logic. It begins with creating a race of human beings that have an automatic failure. The remedy to that failure is death. The proof that the remedy worked was an empty grave and a risen savior. This already is not making sense according to the world standard. It has not made sense for 2,000 years, and yet a global historic church has emerged. And you want to hear something absolutely crazy? More Christians worship in secret last Sunday than did so in 1950 in America and in Western Europe combined. We base our thoughts only what we see, not what God is doing. In the Anglican Communion, most of the weekly attendees are not from America, not from Europe, but from sub-Saharan Africa. More people died for and were reached by Christianity in the last 100 years than the previous 19 centuries combined. The church is winning the battle. But we are just so myopic in our view of the church that we fail to see. And now moving from past to present, here is what subversion looks like in the 21st century. Nigerian Christians subvert the culture by running small village churches, even in the midst of a threat. Chinese Christians gather even though the government has tried to replace their catechisms with slogans from Chairman Xi. This past Sunday, there were more Anglicans worshiping in Kenya, South Africa, Tanzania, and Uganda than in the entire Western Hemisphere. What we are seeing is not that Christianity is failing, but it is de-Westernizing. Christianity itself is thriving. Taking this thriving to a Western, to a secularized culture means that we must shift our thinking from creating an empire, as we once thought Christianity did, to creating a countercultural resistance movement. The same way that those key historical folks I mentioned upended their communities is the same way that we are to be subversive in a land that no longer understands the concept of Christian empire. To do this, we need to be working together, not necessarily have packed churches of people doing nothing. To do this, we need to have deep concern for community and work for its betterment instead of complaining and thinking that all the best days are over. To be a Christian subversive is to write Jesus on every facet of our story without having to have it be the story. At no point did Jesus tell us to take things over to build his kingdom. That's his job, not ours. Our job is to be the little guerrilla fighters on the ground, loving people into the kingdom, giving voice to people who do not matter to the status quo, 
reminding us of the psalmist's words. Put not your trust in rulers nor in any child of earth, for there is no help in them. You see, there are some facets of secularism that are deeply formed by our Christian heritage, though not all of it. It's a rather schizophrenic system, like American politics. The best we can do is to promote the values that create a community of love as opposed to one of power. In many ways, the secular system can actually be very good for Christianity if we learn to use it and see culture in its biblical sense and not its empire sense. So, we surf on with the tides of culture we become 21st century Christian subversives. Next week, we dig deeper into this guerrilla negotiation. Let us, this week, not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He who is faithful will be as faithful to us as we, in turn, follow him as heralds of good news in the world desperately needs it. Let's take it.